This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. What an amazing season we've been in I'm over the last couple months. Uh, and just even this last month in particular, as we've talked about this whole idea about generous life, this, re- this really isn't a a season where we're talking about money, we're talking about this thought or this idea of how do we live life the way that Jesus wanted us to live. This isn't just like some four-week series. This is something that God's trying to say to us and to speak to us, to say, how do we live the way that Jesus lived? How do we we live a life where we live beyond ourselves, where we, we look for ways to bless others and help others and respond to people and pray for people and serve people and everything that we have, that we would just simply be dispensers, come on, of God's grace. I, I think this is a pretty good series. And uh, if you feel challenged, it's because God's wanting to move you in a better way. Come on, can I hear an amen? And I just want to encourage you with this one thought. You know, if you haven't heard all four weeks of this series, um, turn the TV off one of these nights and, and turn on uh, one of the messages that you missed. I think this is such an important, critical time for us, especially in the history of our church, the history of our nation. I believe that in these messages um, are really some truths that God's wanting to speak to us that our, our, our city, our nation desperately needs, that there's actually people that believe that God can use them to transform the world for Jesus. Come on, that's what this is all about. And I believe that God can do that in your life. And if you believe that, come on, say amen. 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 And you know, during this uh, series, we've been, we've been looking at this, this thought. Um, what does it mean to live a generous life? And uh, we're, we're, we're looking at this thought, and again, that, that God has generously placed in every single one of our hands a measure of seeds. He places them in your hand. If you're here today breathing, you've received some seeds today. Because your seeds, they're much more than just money. They're your time, they're your talents, and they're your treasures. So if your heart is beating right now, every time that your heart beats, it's another seat. It's another opportunity to give him glory, to be used by him, to be useful for him. Every heartbeat is another opportunity to be used by God. He controls the air that you breathe and the heart that beats in your chest. Your days are numbered by God. He's the one that counts your days, meaning that he gave you the privilege today to actually live another life. Thank God. Can everybody say amen to that? Come on. It's the same thing with your time and your talents. When God gives you talents and abilities, he gave you those to actually be used to do something for him whether that's in the marketplace or at home, whether you're a mother or a father, whether you're a student, wherever you're at, whatever you do, you've been given gifts to be able to make him known and to bring glory to his name. And it also applies, by the way, to your money. Excuse me. It also applies to his money that he allowed you to hold for a while. (laughs) Come on, let's not get this mixed up here is that every time you get a paycheck, every dollar that's put in your hand, it comes from him. Colossians 1.16, everything was created by him and for him. And so he places all of these seeds into your hand, your time, talent, and treasure, and he desires you to invest them, to plant them so that they would be fruitful and multiply. That's the whole point of a seed. And this is what we find out in God's word, that if we actually invest everything that we have into his purposes, this is what happens. You have a fruitful, abundant life. The choice ultimately is yours. And so we've been looking throughout these uh, last three weeks at uh, a guy named King David. And King David was a very generous guy. We looked at 1 Chronicles 29, and we see the end of his life. There's anything we can learn from him is, is that When it gets to the very end of your life, you better be careful that you live the way that you're supposed to live because you can't go back and reset it. And so here he is living this generous life and he's assessing his past, contemplating his future and he has $4.65 billion of assets in his hands and he does this colossal, colossal big idea move. He gives it all to God. 
He doesn't give it to Solomon. He doesn't give it to his, to, his, uh, to his children. He actually gives it to God. He wants his investment to go forward. He wants it to have kingdom impact. And then he challenges all the people and says, hey, why don't you guys do the same? They gave a $9 billion offering. The combination of all of their offerings that day was $13.65 billion offering. I mean, how many times have you seen that before? I mean, probably not. I mean, just what, an, what a, a historical, amazing moment where he just says, I'm going to invest everything that I have for him. And what we see in that scripture and in that story is that his life was blessed beyond his own life. In fact, 2,000, 4,000, 5,000 years, whatever it's been, later, we're still talking about it. We're talking about that moment, that day, God getting the glory. But you know, if you look at the Bible, David wasn't some isolated freak that gave away a bunch of stuff. Abel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Jacob is Jacob's name in Hebrew. Um, you, you look at all these different guys in the Bible. Come on, you mess up too. It's all right. Um, you look at all these different guys in the Bible and you find that, that the Bible's laced with people that understood this principle. And if you go into the New Testament, you find that there's this story that's told by a guy named Paul. And Paul is talking about this group of people in 2 Corinthians called the Macedonians. And when you read their story in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you find that they were some of the poorest people of their time. But there was something unique about them, although that says, Scripture says that they were extremely poor it says that they were incredibly generous. And so Paul takes this, this moment to, to tell this story and to unlock some principles because as they gave, God showed up and blessed them in unimaginable ways. And so he takes this moment in history where these extremely impoverished people give away ridiculously to the Lord and he blesses them supernaturally. He says, we've got to capture this moment. We've got to take this story and make sure that it's not lost. And he uses that story as a springboard to give us some of the most life-altering, life-impacting truths. Guys, we've got to get this. In, in the land of rich... In the land where we live, again, if you have a combined income of more than 40,000 people, you're part of the 1% of the most richest people on planet Earth. And so we've got to get this here. He's saying, listen, there's something here. You've got to get off of the, the mentality of living for the now you got to start thinking about living for the later in the now. And, and so he teaches us this thought. And I want, I want to read this to you. It's, it'll be on the screen. It's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 12. He starts with two very important words. Remember this. And it's actually going to come back at the back end of this. But he says, hey, guys, don't forget these principles. If you're doing your daily devotions and reading the word, just don't pass by these. Remember these. These are like really important thoughts for you. They're going to ultimately dictate the outcome of your life. And he says this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Imagine you having 40 acres and you have all of these seeds to plant and you take out three seeds and you put it in the ground and you sit there all year expecting the whole 40 acres to grow. He's saying that's stupid thinking. He says, if you plant a few seeds, you're going to get a little crop. How, how many believe in the natural? That just makes 100% sense. Come on, that makes a lot of three of you. Good. Well, in other parts of Oregon, there are people that actually understand that if you just put two seeds in 40 acres, you're going to probably get two plants. Come on. But he goes on and he says, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Meaning if you take all the seeds that are in your hand and you put it into the crop, the field, your life, he says, what will happen is you're going to see abundance everywhere. The whole field's going to turn green. It's going to be filled with fruit. 
So he says this, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Based on that principle, he's saying, he's saying, remember this at the front. Now he comes back and he says, now you decide based upon logic, common sense, You're going to put a little in and get a little fruit. You're going to put a lot in and get a lot of fruit. Now you decide based on what you understand what you're going to do. He puts the choice in your hands. It's not in my hands. It's in in each individual's hands. We have the choice to choose. That's what he's saying. You choose. And he goes on and he says, and don't give reluctantly in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. It's a heart condition. It's not a hand condition, it's a heart condition. It's not what you give with your hand that matters, but the motivation of your heart that gives your hand that really matters. And he goes on and he says this. He says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And we're gonna unpack this quite a bit today. As the scriptures say, They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good, excuse me, their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. I would highlight that, illuminate it, put a flashlight on it. If we could just get that every day we wake up, that God's the one who gives you the air to breathe, the gifts you have, the money that you have. He's the one that places seed in your hand. He's the one that places seed in our hand. He's the one that places, it's not your money, it's not my money, it's not our time, it's his. And then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase, I like this, he personalizes it, your resources, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. You put your name in there. So Mark will be enriched in every way and so that Mark can always be generous. And when we take off Mark's gifts or your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. I look at this and I realize there's, there's some important principles here that we don't want to hear because it costs us something. We live in a culture today that teaches us that we should resist things that cost something. It's not the American way. We don't like hardship. We don't like challenges. We don't like trials. We kind of count them as a negative. Only in Western culture are they counted that way. So Paul begins to show us some things. He says this, God will give you everything you have and he'll provide for you everything you always need. Let's just get that first fact down. Just going, okay, he's going to get, he gives me everything that I have and he'll provide for me everything that I need. Second thing I read as I look at this scripture is what you choose to do with your time, talent, and treasures for his purposes will ultimately determine whether you get more to give away or not. A lot of people today have lack because they simply don't give away what they have, including time and talents, not just money. We're talking holistically here. We find out when we read that that those that live a generous life will always receive a generous reward. These are just some truths as I look at this particular scripture. And here's the cool thing. The reward goes beyond you. It's not necessarily about you being blessed, but others being blessed. God being blessed, church being blessed, homeless. You look at what we're trying to do, the the sex trafficking victims, the homeless, the missionaries, what we're trying to do with underprivileged kids. All of those people, again, you may never see their face while you're on earth. You'll see it when you get to heaven. They're going to come up and thank you and say, I'm here as a result of you. And so today I want to do this. I want to talk about the generous reward. We've talked about the generous opportunity. We all have it. We talked about the generous challenge. We all don't like it. And we talked about the generous response of what we need to do biblically to position ourselves. In our last Sunday together on this series, I want to talk about this. What does actually await you if you live this kind of life? The Bible's pretty clear about it. 
When I read it, I get really excited to see what God has in store for those that choose to live a generous life. But I want to start by telling you a little story. When I was growing up, um, I was labeled by others, and I don't understand why. I was, I was labeled as a, quote-unquote, difficult child. And um, my teachers and my parents and relatives used to always say that I was a, quote-unquote, challenge. And I, I remember I was going through my boxes when we just moved this summer, and I found a report card, my first grade report card, and in the little column, the teacher's notes, it says, Marco, that's what they used to call me, Marco's excelling in all areas, however, he needs some additional help in the area of self-control. I, I didn't know what that meant, and I just was thinking about my life. I was puzzled, thinking, well, I don't know if that's true. I think I was a pretty good kid, and and I begin to think, well, maybe it's because I carved my name in the top of the table, top in the classroom with the teacher's rock collection, or maybe because I put hair in Bridget Hoff, or excuse me, glue in Bridget Hoffman's hair, or maybe at break I used to love to go out with a magnifying glass and scorch ants. I mean, I just, I just, maybe there's a few of those things that had to do with it. I'm not sure. But my mom used to always teach me this principle about sowing and reaping. And she used to always tell me this, this simple equation, that if you do your chores and you obey me, you'll get your allowance and you'll get free time to spend with your friends. Now, I, I may have not been the sharpest knife in the drawer, but as a, a little six-year-old boy, I got this. Okay, listen, if I just follow, I'm going to get money and freedom. I mean, got it, got it. Okay, got that, right? Come on, you are the same way, I can tell. You guys are all the same way. I remember this one summer day, we used to go to the beach. I lived down in, in Southern California. You go to the beach every day. And um, this, this one particular day, all of my friends were gonna go hang out by the pier, really wanted to go. And so my mom said, hey, listen, before you go, you've gotta do at least one chore. I said, okay, got it. What do you want me to do? She grabs a big stick and goes out into the yard and draws this 10 foot by 10 foot square. And she says, you pull the weeds in that 10 by 10 square and then you can go to the beach. I'm thinking, got it, man, this is easy. So I got on my hands and knees and started to pull and it turned out to be a little bit harder than I thought. My friends show up, said, hey, let's go. And so I, I decided to redefine the boundaries. So I took the stick off the wall and I made a five by five area, reduced the size to 75%, or excuse me, 25% of the 100% and erased the bigger line. And I'm thinking, my mom would never know. I mean, it's, it's a box, right? I mean, it's, the, it's what's in your heart that counts. And so I pulled out the weeds and got my little friends to help me. And we pulled out the weeds in the five by five area, flew off to the beach, had a great day, came home all sunburnt, took a shower, sat down, ate dinner and turned on the latest episode of the Brady Bunch and we're just kind of watching, having fun. I go to go to bed. I fold back my covers and there was 75 square feet of dirt and weeds in my bed. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Actually going through a lot of counseling today to get through that particular thing. But had to get out the trash bags, had to get out the shovel, had to get, I mean, it wasn't just a vacuum cleaner. It was a shovel. It was 75 square feet of dirt and weeds vacuumed it out, hopped into bed. But I learned an important lesson that day. Your response to an assignment determines your outcome. We want desired results, but we don't want desired disciplines to get the result that we want. We all want a body kind of like mine, but we don't want to go... No, I'm teasing. I mean, we... we a, you guys weren't supposed to laugh there. You go, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, I really think that, like, listen. In order to have a healthy body, it requires certain principles to get that body. In order to live certain life principles, you have to follow the assignment to get the desired results. When you begin to redefine the boundary lines, thinking somehow, some way, if I shortcut God and I just draw a little five by five area, thinking somehow, some way, your results will be the same, shame on us. What we're going to find at the end of the day is we're going to get to heaven and find 75 square feet of dirt and weeds in your mansion bed. Come on. That's what's going to happen. And so I want to look at this thought. 
I, I just want to talk about God being a rewarder. And when we look at Scripture, we find that, that God is a rewarder in many different ways. And Scripture tells us this, and I'm just going to just mention a couple of them real quickly. Here's what God promises us. These are promises from God to you, his rewards that he promises. He rewards those who diligently seek him. The Bible also tells us that he rewards those who serve him faithfully. For those who do good works, for those that deny themselves, for those that show compassion to the needy, those that give to the poor. And again, as we read in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, that it rewards those who live a generous life. Scripture is filled with this idea that God wants to reward you. That's the kind of God that he is. He loves you. He wants the best for you. He wants to pour blessings into your life. He wants to give you peace and joy. He wants to give you long. He wants to give you all, all these things that we sing about and we pray about and we, we're desperately seeking. He wants to give those to you. But we have to recognize that although God wants to give us the rewards that he promises us, those rewards are conditional. There's some particular rewards that come your way that are unconditional, like salvation. You can't work for that. You get to heaven based upon what you believe. What you get when you get to heaven is based upon the way you lived. There is a works mentality on the other side of eternity. There's actually, if I can say it this way, there's actually blessing that comes before you even get there. Everything that you want and you desire, God has for you at a banquet table, it's free. Isaiah says that. Come to the table if you're thirsty, drink, eat. He says it's all free. But he places conditions on it. And when you look particularly about this whole deal, you, you realize that, that there's a challenge that we face. When you look at America today and you look at the challenges that we face and the, the increase in suicide and the increase in anxiety and the increase of depression and the increase of everything that's going on in our society, could it possibly be that we've changed the lines in the dirt? 96% of Christians today give under their ability with their time, their talent, and treasures. Only 3% of all Christians in America actually give according to their ability. In fact, when it comes to finances, the average Christian gives 1.8% of their finances to some kind of charitable contribution. Listen, 10% is just obedience. That's 1.8% is not even generosity. And again, I'm just trying to be kind and careful here. The Bible says this, obedience is just the first 10% to give him back, which is his already. And only 1%, think about this, only 1% of all Christians in America today give above and beyond the obedience level. And we look at our country, we look at our lives. It reminds me of the story of this, this guy that was very... Um, bitter and angry and really didn't want to have much to do with church. And his wife kept begging him and begging him to come to church. And so finally, he reluctantly went to church with his family. And, and uh, he sat down and watched the whole thing, murmured and whined the whole time. And finally, they got done with service. He got in the car, he's driving home. And he began to just complain about everything. He says, the music's too loud. The sermon's too long. The announcements were unclear. The building was hot. The people were unfriendly. And he just, he just listed all the, whined and complained about all these things. And finally, a six-year-old boy says, hey, dad, he says, you can't complain too much. He says, it's a pretty good show for the dollar you put in the offering. In life, you're going to learn this lesson. Your input determines your outflow. You get out of something what you put into something. And again, even when it comes to church and church family, really, th this isn't about having some service where we try to entertain or try to make you feel happy and whole so that you can go back and do life. 
The reason we do church and what City Bible Church is all about is to motivate you to live like Jesus and share his love, to actually be who God created you to be. Not just these, these 75, 80, 90 minutes together, but seven days a week where we live the way that God wants us to live. And so we can see that rewards are conditional. The Bible actually says this. If you live a non-generous life, here's what the Bible promises. These, these are other things he promises you. No treasure in heaven. Matthew 6 talks about if you invest your stuff here and now, they're going to rust. Moths are going to eat them. People are going to steal them. The Bible tells us this, that you'll be known as a wicked and slothful person. Now, maybe not to those around you, but definitely to God. He says, if you don't invest them, he's going to tell you someday, you're a wicked and slothful servant. That, that's what happens. The guys that chose to invest, he says, well done. The guy that he didn't, he says, you're a wicked and slothful servant. Did I not just use a bald head, really good looking bald headed guy to tell you that that's what was going to happen? Right? This, this, is, this, is, this is truth. This is scripture. Here's another thing, that you'll actually lose everything that you possess. It actually says that, that, that those things will be taken from you. This is Jesus speaking in Luke chapter 19. And it even says that you may be ashamed at Christ's coming in 1 John 2. It says that we might get there and realize it all's gone. There's nothing to offer because everything that we came to bring didn't cost us anything. Here, here's one thing we got to understand. God's heart and desire is never to take anything from you. He's simply wanting to do something for you. We think when God says, okay, I want you to give some time and serve, that you're giving up something. Wrong thinking. You're getting something. When you give something where the Lord wants you to give, will you actually believe that you're having to sacrifice and give something when in actuality, you're getting something. It's like our children. We want to bless them. The challenge is when they do wrong things, you don't reward them for their wrong behavior. Come on, parents, we get this. And so it's the same thing with God. We've got to come back and say, okay, if we're created in the image of God and we do this naturally with our children, with our employees... Why wouldn't God do that with us? His rewards are conditional. So I want to do this just in the short time that we have. I want to talk about some of the principles, the rewards that we have, the rewards that come our way on earth. I want to talk about rewards you get while you're here versus rewards you get when you get to heaven. And I want to go back to our opening scripture in 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, and I want to look at verses 6 through 12. And here's some things that God promises you. These are rewards that come your way if you're going to live a generous life. Number one is that you'll always have enough. Let me say it again. You'll always have enough. The scripture says God will generously provide all you need. That word all actually means everything. It, means, it doesn't just mean all, it means everything. That you will always have everything that you need. This is a promise from the Lord. And again, our greatest concern oftentimes is that we're gonna give up something and not have enough. God is saying, stop thinking that way. You will always have enough. You will always have enough. As David said, he has never seen any of God's children ever begging for bread. Reminds me of the story of a little boy and he was getting ready to go off to Sunday school and his mom pulled out two quarters and put those two quarters in his hand. Said, now son, open your hand. He says, this one here is for offering. He goes, okay, I got an offering. offering. He goes, and this, this quarter right here, this one's for ice cream afterwards. If you give your offering, you get your ice cream. It's going, okay, I got it. I got it. Offering ice cream offering ice cream. So he goes off to church and he's just having fun. He's jumping around on the, on the street and he's just, all of a sudden he starts flipping his quarter up in the air and he's just singing and all of a sudden he misses the quarter and it, it goes down into the drain. He can't find it and, and it goes down into the street drain. He's going, oh my gosh. He looks in his hand, offering ice cream. He goes, sorry God, <laughs> right? 
Sometimes we're too concerned that there's not enough month at the end of our money. Boy, probably trusting in Jesus said, okay, this is yours anyways. I trust that if I give this to you, man, you're going to give me buckets of ice cream. Buckets of ice cream. You will always provide enough for me. Here's another thing. This is important here. Is that you'll have a surplus to bless others. Isn't this what's in our heart to do? Listen, you will, when God gives you more than you need, it's so that you can give more than you have. I'll say it again, because this isn't the way we think. When we get stuff, we just want to keep building bigger barns. Isn't that what Jesus said? He goes, when we get all the stuff, the rich farm, he says, well, look at all that I have. Let's just build bigger barns. I mean, maybe my retirement can be 5 million or 10 million or 20 million, and I can just build these bigger barns. God will always give you more than you need so that you can always give more than you have. And if we continue to allow him to put stuff in our hand and we give it back, he will continually to pour more into our hands. Listen, last year as a church, and again, we should get encouraged about this, we gave away 2016 almost $1 million outside of the church to people in need. I think that deserves an applause. Why is because we have more than we need, therefore we can give more than we have. I, I want to get to this place where, and this is a healthy prayer. God, give me more than I need. Forget praying, oh Lord, just meet my needs. Don't pray that way. So God, give me surplus. Not so that you can be blessed, but that you can be a blessing. God, I, I'm asking you to give me more so that as I pay, take care of my needs, I have more to give. God created us that way. You can argue that all day long theologically, but the reality says that if you have more, if you give, it will come back to you, pressed down, shaking together, running out all over, pouring into your lap. This is Jesus saying, if you do this, you're gonna, it's just like, he says, it's just, it's in your lap. I mean, it's just like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I just got so much to do. With everything that I have, what does he want you? He says, give it away. Give it away. Give it away. It's so contrary to our American thinking. I can see it in your eyes. It's like, I just don't like these messages. Can we start talking about Christmas trees? And Right? Come on. I'm getting so excited about these thoughts in my life. It's transforming something in me. I'm just going, I'm, I'm just... 30 plus years, I'm just starting to get it, God. In my heart, forget my head, forget principally, in my heart, I'm just going, man, I can't wait to be a ridiculous giver more and more and more. The scripture's true. It says that he'll remember our works forever. Your good deeds will be remembered forever. When you get to heaven, all the angels there, all your buddies there, everything's gonna be revealed. It'll be remembered there. For some of us, that will be fun. For others of us, we wish we went to the matinee. Here's another one. He will increase, excuse me, he will increasingly bless you with more. It says he will provide an increase of your resources. He increases your inflow so that you can increase your outflow. This, this is, Paul's unpacking this. He's talking about the Macedonians going, listen, here's some things that I've noticed and this is what scripture says, this can happen to you. Uh, Number five, this, you'll become an amazingly generous person. Scripture says this in verse 10, it will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. God, let that be our prayer. You know, we we, we started this group here, and again, I'm very careful in this, but we started a group called Vision Partners. Ryan and Allison Feeney up here on the front row are actually helping me to lead this this particular group. And it's just, it's people in our church that have the gift of giving. Giving is actually a gift to some people. It's a spiritual gift. It talks about that. And we get together and we talk about these, these principles and ideas to build a culture, not only just for an existing generation, but for a younger generation. And we are particular at this uh, banquet this, this October. And uh, I can say this publicly because he said it. There was a gentleman there, his name's Mike White. He's one of our elders, longstanding member of our church. 
And he got up and he began to talk about his journey, starting as a painter, making eight, 10 bucks an hour, and how he just learned early on to just be a generous giver. And there came a point, he said, he came a point in my life where I realized I had enough. And he said, God, I'm going to draw a line right there, and I'm never going to live beyond the line. Meaning, God, anything that you give me above the line, I'll give away. And something amazing started to happen. He says, now today, he gives over 50% of his income away because simply he has enough. And he looks at his excess as an opportunity to build God's kingdom. God, help me to get there. I think of LG Turno. Anybody hear of LG Turno? I mean, he was a seventh grade educated guy that figured out how to do engineering on his own, built a mechanical empire called Caterpillar. He was probably the guy that was single-handedly responsible for all the infrastructure that took place during World War II, all the highways across modern-day America were because of his equipment. He gave away 90% of his income. And you wonder why God continued to pour billions into his lap, because he knew he could handle it. And he was asked this question, check this out. He was asked, how much money do you actually give, LG? And he said this, the question is not how much of my money I give to God, but rather how much of God's money do I keep for myself? Out, drop the mic. I mean, it's just like, right? Come on. It's so contrary to the American dream. How about this one? Many will be grateful for your generosity. Many will be grateful for your generosity. You know, last week I had the privilege of going downtown to a fundraiser for a group that we're choosing to get very involved in. It's a group called HALA. HALA works with uh, inner city kids, underprivileged kids, black and brown kids that have a difficulty making it. It's a mentoring program. And we thought it would be appropriate, especially because of all the racial tensions in our, in our culture. Instead of just praying about it and talking about it, we're going to invest in it. And I remember going down there. I was the only pastor at the event that showed up there on a Friday night during the riots, by the way. It was right downtown on Burnside. And I took them a check from us, a check for 5000 bucks. And I said, this is from City Bible Church. We want to let you know we not only just believe in what you're doing, we're going to sow seeds in what you're doing. We're going to put people towards what you're doing. We're going to come alongside of you because we're going to be a church that chooses to, to fix and to, to stand for some of the social injustices and challenges and racial divides in our city. We're going to actually model it. And I remember him looking at that, holding that check, and just seeing how forever grateful he was. He wanted me to tell you today, thank you, City Bible Church. These kids are going to be blessed. Why? Because we chose to be generous. And even talking about this, listen to me, there's something that happens right here in you. You go, that feels right. That feels good. That feels right. Why? It's because God created you to, to feel that way when we do that. But you go to the flip side. Forget just about what happens on earth, which is just a short time. Heaven, it talks about a lot of great things. Eternity that you're going to be rewarded in eternity. I'm just going to read a couple scriptures and we're going to watch a video. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 19, 29, message paraphrase, he says this. Any one of you who sacrifices their home, their family, their fields, whatever, because of me will get back a hundred times more, not to mention the considerable bonus of eternal life. It's Jesus' promise. You're going to get back a hundredfold return. And any investment guys, financial advisors in the house, I think that's pretty good, pretty good investment strategy. You're going to get back a guaranteed 100% return. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human ma uh, excuse me, masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Revelation 21, 12, and I'm done, says this. Look, I'm coming soon. This is Jesus. And my reward is with me 
to pay each one according to what he has done. It's pretty clear. When you get to heaven, your beliefs will determine where you spend eternity. Your behavior will determine what happens when you get there. I want to finish with this video here, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to take our tithes and offerings. I want to show you a video of a man that many of you would know. His name his name's Art Johansson. Art Johansson is one of the original 13 members of City Bible Church. Grew up in the pews. Been on staff now almost 50 years, 40 plus years. And here's a guy that has given his entire life to people. If there's one guy that I wished I could be like when it's all said and done, it'd be Art Johansson. Most dedicated, serving, but blessed man that you'll ever meet. And I want you just to watch this video as he looks back 65 years of what God has done because of living a generous life. And hopefully this will inspire you this morning. Let's watch this video together here. So my name is Art Johansson. I am facility manager at City Bible Church, taking care of all of our properties, all of our campuses, anything related to the facilities and the grounds. Uh, I've been here for almost all of my life uh, and uh, have had the privilege of working for the church for probably close to 40 years of that. Coming through the years, it's been great to see different people come to City Bible Church and find a place where they could find shelter and help, uh, whether that be spiritual help or practical needs being met. We've been able to help people with just housing. We've been able to help students who come to PBC by providing housing for them. I remember when uh, we were able to open our doors, City Bible Church, to refugees from Russia. Um, scores of them came at one time and some of them were housed by City Bible Church in the homes of members. Some of them came to work for us when we were building our church. We were able to provide a job for them, the domes that you see on Rocky Butte. Some of that was blood, sweat, and tears of refugees who could barely speak English. They came, found a home, and were incorporated into the church. Some of them are in the church today, who came early 1980s. We've had uh, more recently the Burmese refugees who come and we've been able at times to be able to, well, certainly we provide them a place where they can worship, where they can have church together, where they can be another campus within a campus at Rocky Butte. And so we're delighted. I've been thrilled to be able to see people grow in those kinds of ways. We're touching the world, and we're touching the world right here on this campus and at Mill Plain and downtown and 217. So facilities, wherever they might be, provide a place where people can come together and grow in fellowship, grow in discipleship, grow in learning the ways of God. And for me, that's been one of the things that I love about church, love about City Bible Church, is that we're multi-generational, we're multi-ethnic. We're a place where people, because they want a fellowship together, can come together. God has been generous to us, City Bible Church, as I've already described, so many things that we can do. But for me personally, growing up, seeing 60 years of God blessing this house because people have given, because people have given of their time, of their sweat, of their resources, of their finance, of their love, of their heart, that God has honored that. In 60 years, I've constantly seen growth, numerically, spiritually, people added to the church. I can't recall a time where there haven't been people added to City Bible Church year after year after year. God continues to do that. People get baptized. What's the reward for me? It's seeing lives changed. It's seeing my children grow up and serving God. You peel back the carpet under the floor and you'll see verses written down that people wrote. You take off the sheetrock and you'll see on the framing, people wrote verses. They wrote thank yous to the Lord. They praised God. If the walls could speak, what would they say? God's been good to City Bible. God has blessed this place. Not the 
not the brick and mortar and stone and wood, but the people that have been here. It's the people that are the church. And God is pleased with City Bible because the people are a people who praise Him, who worship Him, who pray, who believe the Bible and believe that the impossible can happen. What's the future look like for City Bible Church? It's limitless. The walls would say, keep going, <laughs> keep building, keep expanding, keep making room for more growth, for more people, for more salvations, for more children to grow up in the house of God, for more character to be developed, for more prayer to go up to the Lord, for more praise to go up to God. The generous life is loving people. The generous life is seeing the reward that God brings because you're faithful to Him. Seeing that God blesses when you practice His principles and you live His commands and you live the Word of God, God blesses that. That's the reward of a generous life. Make us like him, some that really understands uh, what it's all about. You know, we're, we're going to go ahead and take our tithes and offerings now. And um, I, I just want to say this. I host, you can help me real quickly. Just take your place. Um, first of all, thank you for those of you that, that tithe. Um, again, this is something that's always so hard to talk about, but it's, it's, it's Bible 101. It's 2,350 times the word talks about this thing called finances. And so often we don't want to talk about it because somehow we're going to be labeled as someone that's after your money. But really, that, that's not the point. The point really is that this is about you. This is about unlocking something in you. It's, it's I, I say this often, tithing isn't generosity. Tithing is obedience. And what will happen when you tithe is God will simply bless you. His word says that your vats will overflow with plenty. We do what we can do today simply because of those that tithe. Maybe 40% of our church tithes regularly. If you're them, thank you. Thank you for being just wonderful, wonderful, obedient people. If all of us tithe, sky's the limit what we could do. Um, the things that we could touch and people and new campuses and missionaries and church plants. We can just get beyond this thing like that we're holding on to ourselves and say, if I just give what's already his, imagine what God could do with us. I dream for that day. So thank you if you give. I just appreciate that so, so much. Um, when it comes to Faith Harvest, this is, this is the last Sunday that we'll actually like officially talk about Faith Harvest from a giving standpoint. And um, I'm, I'm going to ask, if you wouldn't mind, everybody just reach in front of you and grab this for the last time. Um, if, if you've already given, grab it anyways. If you're planning not to give uh, today, grab it anyways, because I want you to take it home with you. What you see so far, and again, this number here, $1,102,000. Let me say this loud and clear. 100% of every dollar will go to these items. 100% will go to these items. Um, so far, again, we have over the last first three weeks, uh, a couple hundred families have given $475,436. Would you put your hands together for those people? That's awesome. There's still over a thousand families that haven't done anything. And this isn't any pressure thing. I, I just, I dream of the day where, where we could get past some of our tensions and just say, you know what, this is my family. I agree with what my family's doing. I'm gonna, we, we all take out the trash, we all do the dishes, we all participate because we all wanna make a difference. And so I just wanna encourage you that if, if you're still challenged with that, to just, to ask the Lord to help you. I mean, even if you gave five bucks, it's a sign that says, I'm in, this is my church, this is my family. It's really the heart and the principle. He doesn't care how much you give, he cares about the heart in which you give. And that's what he really cares about. You know, on this brochure, there's these four areas. We've talked about them for four weeks. 
We've highlighted every single one of these each week. You can give to any of these any week you want. And even beyond today, you can give throughout the week for the next coming months. A lot of people give Faith Harvest all year long. Um, This morning, we're just highlighting this last corner right here, giving to build his house. And uh, we're wanting to do a couple things that would be interesting. Number one is we want to be able to reach as many people possible as we can in 2017. We want to promote and let everybody everywhere know about us from social media and direct marketing. Come on, there's people out there that need Jesus. 1.5 million people in our metro area. We're going to do our part to let them know that there's a God that loves them and it's hard to go to hell when City Bible Church is in their city. I mean, I think that's a good idea. I think that's a good idea. Uh, we're going to just partner with Mill Plain at this particular time. They're, they're busting at the seams. We don't know what to do there other than to add some more classrooms. And then, you know, the biggest category that people are giving to outside of the general area so far is debt reduction. Um, it's been our single biggest area. I dream of the day we'd be debt-free. I'm going to lead a, a church that strives to be debt-free and lives within our means. I live that way personally. I want to live that way as your new lead pastor. And so that's kind of what we're highlighting this particular week. Again, most people just give to the general, but would you do me a favor right now? Um, host, if you'd get ready to pass the buckets, um, play a part today. And, and I'm going to pray that God would speak to us and uh, that, that maybe God would stir your heart uh, to give something today um, or in the coming weeks. Would you pray with me? Come on. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful church family. Lord, we're thankful that you're using us to do so many great things. And God, each of us play a part, God, investing our time, our talent, and our treasures to bless so many people. God, I believe you look down and you're well pleased, God, at our heart, our motive. God, why we're doing even what we're doing today. This isn't about us. This is about a hurting and broken and dying world. So Father, would you speak to every person today? God, as your scripture says, let them choose how much that they should give and let them do that with a cheerful heart. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. amen.